think you'll understand when I get there why I, why I took the time to do this. Um, I saved when I was 11 years old. They're in a little white church on the right side. And, uh, and I praise the Lord for that day, March 16th, 2003. And I got saved when I was two th- uh, there at 11 years old. My dad got, um, had gotten saved a little before. And when we decided we was going to start dressing up for church, and I remember going to get my SpongeBob necktie at Walmart. And uh, every, every good spiritual person has a SpongeBob necktie. And uh, so I'd win, and uh, we were moving forward, and I, I was, um, began to spend time with our pastor, and, and actually the truth be known, it's Brother Ronnie that was that connector in my life to the pastor, and even though he is family, but um, Brother Ronnie, at that time there used to be the men that would meet and pray during the week at around 7 o'clock, I think it was, um, on certain nights of the week, and Brother Ronnie invited me to come, said he would pick me up and um, bring me, so I started coming with them, and we would talk, and, and I think there was a time that Brother Ronnie couldn't come and get me, so the preacher came after me, and... Um, and I would ride with these men, and we would talk. And I could still remember the first thing the pastor took time to teach me. As we, um, and I can tell you where we were. We were crossing the bridge here and wrote his. And I can tell you exactly what he taught me that day. And um, I began around that time, from the time I was 11, I surrendered to preach when I was 15. I probably was called and should have surrendered a little sooner. But man, I was really taking my time to make sure the commitment that I was moving into and what I was going to give my life to. And um, so I took some time and I had some men in my life that were interesting people that created maybe some reservation in my surrender to the Lord and telling me things that you'll know you're called to preach when, when you don't want to preach. Well, I wanted to preach. And I said, well, I guess I'm never going to be a preacher because I want to preach. And then I remember we, uh, a substitute teacher telling me one time, he, he, uh, they, 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 the class had told him I was wanting to be a preacher and I was in seventh grade and and he said, well, he'll probably never be one. And I said, well, and I thank God for all that. Because that really, when it came down to it, I can tell you that God called me to preach. Amen? And, um, and so I'm not, I'm not resentful of those statements. But you can understand in my early teenage years as I'm battling with this call to preach. And I'm, I'm being told statements like that while it would be a reservation. So around the age of 15, I finally settled this. The pastor preached a message. And I can remember it. He was in that chair, but I'm not going to ask Brother Honey to move. But he was preaching on getting out of the boat. And I remember seeing the preacher up in the chair talking about getting out of the boat. Anybody else remember that? He's talking about not testing the waters, but getting out of the boat. And that night I went home and, and I went out back to the place that I had prayed and I told God, I said, Lord, I, I, I need something. I need a sign. I need to know. God, I need to know. And, uh, and be careful what you pray for. But that night my brother was in an accident and I'd asked the Lord to wake me up in the midnight hour. I'd heard all the stories of great men and talking about the midnight hour, God speaking to them. And I said, Lord, I need my midnight hour experience. And so that night my mom came and woke me up. And long story short, it wasn't just a little time after that I surrendered to preach the gospel. And, uh, and that was 2007. And um, so from that time, from the time I've been saved and around the pastor and my surrender to preach the gospel, uh, my trip to pastor school when I knew I'd go to Hiles Anderson College, from that time, I've been intrigued with the thing of ministry. And I can honestly tell you, I've not had a desire for anything different. I've been intrigued with ministry and what God does in ministry. Um, I remember in high school, we had to send letters off to colleges. We were practicing letter, sending letters and had to send a, a letter requesting catalogs. And they, they were going to pay for up to like three. I said, I only need to do one. Because I knew, 
I was very settled on ministry, and that was what, my, what I was intrigued about. I had the privilege of growing up in this church. I've been here since I was, I don't know how long, but a while. And uh, I grew up around the preach since I was two. I'm glad my mama's here. She's going to help me preach. And, uh, but since I was two, since I was two, I've, I've been here at the church, and I'll be 25 in July. And so I grew up around here in the ministries of uh, Salt Rock Baptist Church. And anybody, I would say, anybody that's been around any length of time, you can say that the ministries of Salt Rock Baptist Church are unique in more aspects than one. And I know where it starts. I know it starts with the Lord, and then it starts with God's man at the pulpit. But we have a unique ministry here at Salt Rock Baptist Church. And you know, and I've been privileged to see some great ministries, be a part of a great Bible college and all those things. And, but I have to say that absolutely, beyond a doubt, no questions, hands down, the greatest ministry that I've ever seen in my life is the ministry of Salt Rock Baptist Church. I hope we'll understand a little more tonight why that is, and um, because it is truly the grace. So I was so intrigued with ministry and, 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 and giving my life to full-time ministry that my senior project in high school I did on the different facets of the ministry. And I had spent 20 hours or more, and Brother Ronnie was my mentor, and, uh, and interviewed with the pastor and questions about the ministry. And I'd spent all this time discussing questions, going door knocking. I'd spent time here at the church setting things up and, and working ministry stuff. And um, I had decided that this is what I wanted. There was no doubt about it that I wanted ministry and what God wanted. And that's what He wanted with my life. And so I want to take and just give you three things that I see in Paul's ministry that I believe establishes a marvelous ministry. That's what I want to preach on for just a few moments, is a marvelous ministry. And I want to thank God that we are a part of a marvelous ministry here at Salt Rock Baptist Church. And I want to tell you, it's not the name, and it's not anything else. When we get done, I think we'll understand what ministry is. I think we have a misconception sometimes of ministry. The Bible says, if you'll turn to Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter number 2, and... Um, Paul, no doubt, had a great and wonderful ministry. And I believe this verse is probably very key into the success of his ministry. And um, Galatians chapter number 2. If you'll stand with me as we read the Word of God, we'll, we'll pray and then we'll read the Scriptures and you can be seated. Father, I pray that You would help us tonight. God, I, I pray that You would speak to hearts and lives. And Lord, the greatest thing that will be done tonight is that the Holy Spirit would move in hearts and lives. God, I pray that I would be a vessel that You could flow through, dear Jesus. God, may I only say the things that You would have to be said. May I not say the things that You would not have to be said. God, I pray that Your will would be accomplished tonight. Bless the reading of Your Word, we pray. Amen. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. If you don't have your Bible, it's right behind me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. You may be seated. We've got to understand something as we get started. I don't want you to feel that this message is only for preachers and teachers, and, but in essence, you and I all in our personal life and relationship with Jesus can have a ministry. We can all find, uh, as a young person, we can all have something in our life 
that God has opened as an avenue of ministry, whether it's through uh, uh, people we meet every day at school or people we meet on the job. But we have an opportunity to minister to people. We have an opportunity to be that shining light for the cause of Christ. And I, first of all, I want to point out what we learned from Paul and his ministry was the master of the ministry. The master of the ministry. And of course, you read the verse, you, it's very obvious and very plain who that is. That is Christ. The master of the ministry is Christ. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Then He comes but Christ. And then of the Son of God. Three times in this verse we establish the master of the ministry. And the master of the ministry is Jesus Christ. Genuine ministry starts with our identity with Christ. Our identity with Christ. Paul was with the Lord. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. And I find this interesting. It's a present statement of the past. So what does that mean? And it's hard to really comprehend, but Paul's literally saying, I am presently crucified. And what we have to understand, he's saying, I am crucified with Christ. He's saying right now, while I'm, I'm, I'm crucified with Christ, but Christ has already been crucified. And yet Paul is saying, I'm crucified with Christ. What Paul's saying here is, it is he, that he's literally saying, I'm dead with Christ. When Christ died, my sin and my wrongdoing was on the cross, and now I can live. He, now Paul has the ability to live in the ministry and service to Jesus Christ because of the fact that years ago Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. And Paul is saying, I'm crucified with Christ. His life was only worth living because Christ had died. Paul's life would not be what it was had Christ not died. This verse would not have the meaning that it has at the end, who loved me and gave Himself for me if God had not given Himself for me. And so Paul comes and he is presently crucified. Understanding the master of the ministry begins by seeing ourselves for who we really are and seeing Christ for all He is. Understanding when there's a time in our life we say, woe is me. I've seen the Lord in high and lifted up. When we see the Lord for all that He is, and we really see the reality of all that we are not. And we see the fact that all that we are and all that we, our being is all because of Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's almost as if Paul starts to say, he said, I'm crucified with Christ, but I live! And then he's reminded, he said, but, but it's not me that's living, it's Christ. You know, you talk to somebody and you start saying something and you correct yourself. It's almost how Paul sounds. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. Oh, but I'm as live as I've ever been. But, but it's really not me, it's Christ. It's Christ that's living in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And Paul comes and he says, it's Christ that lives in me. I'm crucified, I live, I don't live, but Christ. But Christ. John 3.30, He must increase, but I must decrease. I think Paul had probably become and written the master verse to go in line with decreasing on our side and allowing God to increase that we died ourselves, that Christ would live in us and through us. And there's no doubt in our mind, I think we would all agree, the greatest ministry of all time is the ministry of Jesus Christ. I don't think anybody would ever question, would, would struggle to say, yeah, by far, the greatest ministry. And I know we've seen great ministries in our time and great men, but the greatest of all ministries is going to be the ministry of Jesus Christ. And, and, the, and the reason that being, Paul comes and the first thing he does, he takes his ministry and he connects it with that of Christ. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. The ministry that I live and I work and I have is Christ. 
He takes the ministry and connects it back to Christ. He goes back to the cross of Jesus. Paul's saying, I'm dead while Christ is living through me. And, I, and we've preached this, this verse here at the church and talking about dying to ourselves and, 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 and being a dead person and not being, getting off the altar and daily dying to ourselves. Paul was dead in Christ. Number two, not only do I see, first of all, the master of the ministry, I see the magnitude of the ministry. The magnitude of the ministry. You know, you and I, we see magnitude by the size of a building. We see magnitude and, and we see what we consider a blessing by the numbers. We see, we see the goodness of God in attendance and so on and so on and in a good offering. And we see the magnitude, we, we limit the magnitude of what God really is to what we see in our human eyes and our comprehension. And we, we really miss the magnitude of ministry when we hinge everything on just what our human mind. The magnitude of ministry starts with the fact that Christ liveth in me. You know, to think that Christ would have anything to do with us. I see an indwelled life. That Christ would live in us and through us. Anything at all that Christ would have to come to lowly us and use us to accomplish His great work. Will you turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 8, verse 3. Not only is there an indwelled life in the magnitude of ministry, but I believe there's an invested life in the magnitude of ministry. Psalms chapter 8 reads like this in verse number 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord... Our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. Not only do I, then in dwelled life that Christ lives in us, but in invested life that Christ comes, He, ha, he creates the heavens, He creates the earth, he, he creates all the animals and the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. He does all of this work, and then we're given dominion. He, thou madest Him have dominion over the works of Thy hand. God literally takes His hands creates everything we see around us, and then places us over. I view that as an invested life. That God would take all His grand and all His glorious work and go to us as human people and allow us to have a place in His work. That's the magnitude of ministry. The fact that all we see and all we do is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that in the process, there may be this ministry or that ministry or this that we do, but in the, in the essence of all of it, the only ministry we're doing is Jesus Christ. All the little sub-ministries, if you will, the bus ministry and patch club and all, that's just a connector. That's just an avenue and a tool. And Christ gives us dominion and the ability to serve. Even here, just like Paul, he was referencing. He's crucified, I'm living. I'm dead, I'm not living, now Christ lives in me. Just the same, we come through and, and the, the, the psalm writer here, he goes through and he says, you created the heavens and the earth, you've given dominion, you've put it under our feet and in our hands, but Lord, how excellent is your name. It comes back to Jesus. 
There isn't any room for self-glory when Christ is in the picture. When Christ is in the picture, there's no room for self-glory. It comes back to the simple fact it's all about Christ. The magnitude of the ministry, and, and if there's ever a young person that seems intrigued to give their life to full-time service, and the magnitude of that is not the money and the fame and the riches and the name on a church sign. The magnitude of that is we get to live a life promoting Christ. The magnitude of being a Christian and a disciple, as we learned in Sunday school, is not to be, be known and not to be famous, but it's to know that we get to tell somebody and tell everybody about the Lord. The magnitude of ministry is all about Jesus Christ. Not only do I see the master of the ministry and the magnitude of the ministry, number three, the miracle of the ministry. The miracle of the ministry. First of all, it's I live by faith. I live by faith. Living by faith is a miracle in and of itself. There's nothing easy about living by faith. I can't even really tell you there's anything real fun about living by faith. Everybody likes to know. You want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't want to walk in and be blindsided with something. You want it to go click, 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 and you want it to flow. But there's something it takes. Living by faith is a miracle in itself in the ministry. We make decisions based on what we believe God leading us to do, and we trust Him to follow through and meet our needs. And that can be a challenge. Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We literally choose a life where we, 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 we serve the Lord and we believe Him, not because of anything we have in our hand, just because there's evidence. There's evidence that God's going to come through. There's evidence. So what's that ev- evidence? is things He's done already. You know, you look here at the, the, the ministry of Salt Rock Baptist Church, the, the, the evidence is you look around and see what all God has done. You look around and see the lives that are here today. The lives that have been chained. That's the evidence of saying, okay, let's move forward for the glory of God. That's the evidence. And it, is, it comes to Christ. We live by faith. We, we can't see the final result. Boy, it would be nice, wouldn't it, to see the result of what it would all end up being at the end. But that wouldn't be living by faith. I want to take you to somebody, John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. The blessed ministry in our, in our personal life, our, our ministry, our marvelous ministry, the blessed ministry that God wants us to have is one by faith. He said there, Thomas, you believe because you've seen it, but blessed are those that believe that's not seen. Blessed are the ones that will believe in me at my word, not because they've seen something, but they'll believe at my word. You know, you don't hear much about Thomas's ministry, do you? You don't hear much about you know Tom, uh, thomasministry.com. You don't hear none of that. When you hear the name Thomas, and when you have your vacation Bible school lesson on Thomas, or your Sunday school lesson, it's this, Doubting Thomas. Thomas the Doubter. You don't, you don't get a very positive uh, connection. It's always Thomas the Doubter. 
Until I've seen, until I've put my fingers, until I've seen it, I can't believe. And, and the Lord was gracious to allow him that. Oh, but he wasn't afraid to step and say, but Thomas, blessed are those that believe that have not seen. The blessed ministry operates by faith in God. I want you to note in this verse that we study here with Paul, it says, by the faith of the Son of God. That encourages me because my faith is not just my faith. When we read the Word of God, it says, and I live by the faith of the Son of God. It didn't say I live by my faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. The faith that the Son will put in His Father one day to come to a cross to die, on the, to die for the sin of mankind. That kind of faith. And I don't, have to, I don't have to trust and lean on my own faith. I get the privilege and the luxury, just like Paul, to live in the faith of the Son of God. The faith that Jesus, the Son of God, had, I can have that faith. I can lean on that faith just as Paul. See, my faith is weak at times. There's sometimes my faith struggles. Sometimes I'm just like anybody else. I can look at the checkbook and the numbers and, and I can honestly say my faith struggles to see how it all come together. Oh, but the faith of God never struggles. The faith that Jesus had, the faith of the Son of God, is that that's strong at all times. Not only in the miracle of the ministry do I live by faith, but in the miracle of the ministry I'm loved by the Father. I'm loved by the Father. I found it interesting to note, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, but Christ that liveth in me. But the next time that he refers to Jesus... He refers to Him as the Son of God. He could have as easily just have said, I live by the faith of Christ who loved me and gave Himself for me. He's already used Christ two times, and now He switches to the Son of God. I think there's a reason for that, and I think the key here is we're to be reminded of the love of the Father. The love of the Father. He, he could have easily said Christ, but what that does when He says the Son of God, you're reminded of the Father. You're not just dealing with Jesus, but there's a heavenly Father that loves us as well. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you have to understand, just Jesus was willing to die for us, but you've got to remember, He belonged to His Father just like we belong to our parents. And I'm glad that God made a decision to allow His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. I'm glad that one day that we have in the Scriptures today, for God so loved the world that He gave. And I just want to say that that the love, I'm glad it's not a feeling, I'm glad it's a choice. You know, I can't imagine there's really any feeling inside that God was thrilled and excited about sending His Son to die on the cross for wicked mankind. But I have to know that inside He made a decision based out of love and He made a decision to love us by giving us His Son. Boy, I'm so glad that God loves me regardless of what I do because there's a lot of times that I know that if love was a feeling, I wouldn't be very loved. But because God made the choice, because I'm loved by the Father, no matter what I do in the ministry or anywhere in my life, I know that Jesus Christ loves me. That's the miracle of the ministry. The miracle of the ministry is that we got what I do in my life, Jesus Christ will always love me. 
there's not many parents here that would sign up today that would step up and say, I'll sign my child up to go die for somebody. Not many of us that would sign up and say, I'll let my son go die for the murderer. I'll let my son die for the one that'll be in the, in the uh, um, sodomy. I'll let my son die for the, the thief. I'll let my son die for the robber. Not one of us that would do that, and yet Jesus Christ made that decision. And God made that decision for Jesus to come. We actually have a double dose of the love of God. And I'm going to do my best to explain this, but I'm also going to tell you I believe it by faith, and I don't know that I can get it out in words. But we get a double dose of the love of God. See, God gave His Son. The first dose of the love of God is God gave His Son. The Bible says in, in Philippians, For but my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God gave us the greatest measure of His love by giving us His Son. That's the greatest measure of love is the love that God shared when He gave us His Son. And I'd like to point out in this verse, and we often interpret it like this, but my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by His Son Christ. That's not what it says. It says need. N-E-E-D. There's no S. My God shall supply all your need. That means that our only need is Jesus. It says by, He's going to supply our need and it's going to be by His Son, Jesus Christ. So our only need is Jesus. See, if we have Jesus, we'll have everything else we need. If we have Christ, we'll have everything else we need. If we'll accept Christ in our heart one day, we won't have to worry about going to hell. If we'll accept Christ in our life and we'll become that disciple that we learned in Sunday school this morning, if we'll do all that, everything else will fall into place. God will take care of the big picture as long as He's the center. And he's the, He is the all that we need. He is our, our center of our heart and our life. So not only do we see that God gave His Son, but we see the Son of God gave Himself. Notice here in the verse it says, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now not only did God allow His Son to come and die for us, but it says here, the Son of God gave Himself for me. That tells me that not only was the Father willing to come, to allow Jesus to come and die on the cross, but Jesus Christ Himself, there wasn't any reluctance. He wasn't begrudging the fact He was coming to die for me and you, but He was willing. He gave His life. He gave Himself. Not only was the Father okay and allowed it to happen, but Jesus Christ wanted to. He didn't mind. He came. He wasn't rebelling against what the Father wanted, but He gave Himself. He, He gave Himself. Now this is a part, this is the evidence of the Trinity of God. Here in this verse, the fact that we have the Son of God, a sing, then we have a single who loved me, but yet the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all in one. And the fact that the love of the Father and the Son, it all comes together, and it is the miracle of the ministry that Jesus Christ would give Himself for us. And that God would allow Jesus to come and die for us. So not only do we have the Master of the ministry, Jesus Christ, and the magnitude of the ministry that God would indwell and invest in my life and allow me the opportunity to serve Him, but we have a miracle in the fact that God loved me and you enough that He would come and die on the cross to take away our sins.
I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. The ministry, that word may seem 